0: Well Welcome to quantum number 160
1: and believe it or not what you've just heard as we came in was Afghan Christian TV, yes there is such a thing. And so this week we are going to focus almost entirely on Afghanistan. Uh, it's not. We, we normally look at news from throughout the world and there's news coming from Zambia and Malaysia and Canada and Haiti um, and all these things are important. But Afghanistan is hugely important, what's happened this week, not just for the Afghan people, but as you'll see for all the subjects that we normally cover. So there's stuff about culture and technology and the church and politics and so on and perhaps particularly the decline of the West. So, I'm not going to explain everything, <laughs> I don't know everything, but can I recommend two resources? The first is a book called Taliban by James Ferguson, which is, what, a book, 15 years old, perhaps? Um, I found it utterly fascinating. I read it when it came out, and uh, it was extremely enlightening. The other is the podcast The Rest is History, Uh Number 87, Afghanistan, part one. I haven't heard part two yet because it's not been broadcast. And that's with Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook. And it, it is brilliant at giving you background and history and everything. By the way, there's one thing I do want to share with you in case you don't listen to it. Afghan itself is a Persian word. It's used in the third century. We know that AD for people who lived around Kandahar. And this is amazing. They claim to be descended from Afghana, the grandson of King Saul in the Bible. And it was claimed that he was the chief general of King Solomon. Now, as far as we know, this was all rubbish. But that's what they claimed. I, I don't think the Taliban are going to be too keen at working. out They're they're actually perhaps even one of the lost tribes of Israel. <laughs> I, I love that detail. Uh, and that's why I would recommend... The rest is history, it's, and particularly that one. It's full of information. But also, I haven't seen this yet. He's one of my favorite journalists, so I expect this to be brilliant, but because it, again, it's not being broadcast, it's going out this weekend. But Colin Brazier on uh, of GB News, he's got a special on it. Here, here's an advert for it. 20 years ago,
2: I watched as the Taliban were driven out of Afghanistan. Now they're back, prompting a desperate exodus and a flurry of questions. For the families of British military personnel who died there. For the Afghan women about to be plunged back into a life of servitude. For the Western leaders facing an upsurge in terrorism. How did it come to this? That's Afghanistan, the human story with me, Colin Brazier on GB News.
1: Okay, I think that's a resource that's well worth having as well. Well, let's start. Of course, we we like doing national anthems. Let's start with the Afghan national anthem. How sad that it speaks about it being the land of peace. I don't think Afghanistan has ever been the land of peace because of its location, its key location between Russia, uh, India, the Middle East, China. Uh, It's just a land that's been devastated by war for centuries and centuries. Uh, I noticed that the Taliban are calling it the New Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan and they've put a dreadful uh, anthem, uh, which I don't know if that's the final one, but it's basically extolling Pakistani uh, version of Islam. All right, now we, we have to go to... What, what What's happened, we, we know what's happened. There's been a continual battle in Afghanistan since the Russians uh, t- took over. There, there was a communist government. The Russians came in to help them against Islamists. The, um, the Americans, huh, how ironic is this, equipped, funded, possibly even set up the Taliban through the CIA and defeated the Russians, drove the Russians out. And then the Americans have, have gone in, after, particularly you know, after 9-11 and for the past 20 years. Now the Americans have been driven out and with some haste. Of course, Brits and Australians and others have been involved as well. Well, here is Joe Biden just over a month ago telling us what wouldn't happen.
3: You have the Afghan troops at 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force, against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable.
1: Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government
2: will likely collapse.
3: That is not true.
2: Can you please clarify what they have told you about, whether that will happen or not?
3: That is not true. They did they did not reach that conclusion. What is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do
1: you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling...
3: None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Wow.
1: Wow. 300,000 well-equipped, they have the capacity to sustain the government in place, 300,000 soldiers. And this one, there will be no circumstance in which helicopters lifting people off the roof of the U.S. Embassy. Well, what did we see? Within days, there were people being airlifted off the U.S. Embassy. There was chaos. It just collapsed. Now I find Biden's speech, which we're going going to look at in some of it, I find his speech um, just utterly atrocious. It's probably one of the worst speeches I've ever heard. And it's probably one of the most depressing things that United States of America has a president who's so weak, so incoherent, and
3: so incompetent. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. We spent over a trillion dollars. We trained and equipped an Afghan military force of some 300,000 strong, incredibly well-equipped, a force larger in size than the militaries of many of our NATO allies. We gave them every tool they could need. We paid their salaries, provided for the maintenance of their Air Force — something the Taliban doesn't have. Taliban does not have an Air Force. We provided close air support. We gave them every chance to determine their own future. What we could not provide them was the will to fight for that future. With some very brave and capable Afghan Special Forces units and soldiers. But if Afghanistan is unable to mount any real resistance of the Taliban now, there is no chance that one year, one more year, five more years, or 20 more years, the U.S. military boots in the ground would have made any difference.
1: I wasn't a big fan of President Trump, but Biden is making him look good. He claims mission accomplished. He claims this was never nation building. He claims, for example, we got bin Laden. Yeah, but you didn't get bin Laden in Afghanistan. You got him in Pakistan. He claims that the mission was just stopping attacks on American home soil. No, no. You got a much wider mission than that. He claims that human rights is at the centre of our policy. Yeah, sure. You waved the LGBT flag on the American embassy in Kabul i tell you one thing, I would not like to be gay in Afghanistan now. Waving LGBT flags is no use. But it's this one that really got me. He, he says, we gave them every chance. We could not provide them with the will to fight. They weren't willing to fight. Look, many of them didn't have ammunition. Many of them hadn't been paid. And they saw the whole system collapsing. And when the Americans pulled out in such haste, Basically, to get the optic of being out of Afghanistan 20 years after 9-11. Of course, their morale completely collapsed. But it is horrendous that Biden says they weren't prepared to fight for their own country. Since January 2015, when the Afghans took over combat operations, it wasn't the Americans, it was the Afghans, between 53 and 57,000 Afghan soldiers have died in combat fighting the Taliban. More than 2,600 this year. Afghans with US air support held off the Taliban for more than six years. He took away the air support. And get this, there were no US fatalities in the last 18 months. Rory Stewart, the MP, um, who sometimes I don't like, but he's a a fascinating character. And his article in the Washington Post on this is absolutely brilliant. He talks about how there had been no American combat fatalities since February 2020. And this, get this, when he became president, Biden took over a relatively low-cost, low-risk presence in Afghanistan that was nevertheless capable of protecting the achievements of the previous 20 years the light US-led international presence was able to prevent a Taliban takeover, to disrupt if not eliminate the terrorist threat from the country and to continue to help improve the quality of life for Afghans, increasing life expectancy, improving access to clean water and transforming, transforming educational and work opportunities, particularly for girls and women. Absolutely. And Biden, with his foolish, foolish Precipitous withdrawal. And Trump would have done the same. Maybe Trump might have done it better. I don't know. It's not leaving Afghanistan that's the problem, it's how it was left. And this is an absolute stain on America, to be honest, and particularly on President Joe Biden and also on Britain. Britain left 10 years ago, largely. We, we, don't, we haven't had fighting troops there since David Cameron's time. By the way, Britain, 457 soldiers died, and you cannot help but ask, why? In Australia, there were more than 40 Australian lives and billions of dollars of expenditure. Why? Well, sadly, here is the Chief of the
2: General Staff, Sir Nick Carter from the UK, explaining it. People need to understand who the Taliban actually are. And of course, what they are, a disparate collection of tribespeople. As President Karzai put it to me only yesterday, they're country boys. And the plain fact is that they happen to live by a code of honour and a standard, which has been their standard for many, many years. It's called Pashtun Wally. It has honour at the heart of what they do. They are bound together by a common purpose, which is they don't like corrupt governance. They don't like governance that is self-serving. And they want an Afghanistan that is inclusive for all. So I think rather than talking except about them, except women. The, what? Except women. Um, well, again, I think we have to wait and see. I mean, I don't know what they mean. We can't support the, the way that they treat women. We, we surely. Well, I think you have to listen to what they're saying at the moment, and I think you have to listen to the facts on the ground. Saying they, they are have definitely. To they are definitely. Law. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's anything that you and I would approve of, particularly. I'm just trying to that. I, absolutely, but I do think that they have changed. I think they recognise. But over the course of the last 20 years, Afghanistan has evolved. They recognize the fundamental role that women have played in that evolution. And yes, they at the moment will undoubtedly say that they want to respect women's rights under Islamic law. And that will be a Sharia law. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they won't allow them to be involved in government and in education and in medicine and those things that they need them to be involved in. So I think we have to be patient. We have to give them the space to show how they are going to step up to the plate. And whether or not we can work with them will very much depend upon how they treat all Afghans.
1: That, of all the things I've heard, Biden's speech made me mad. This one just astounded me. They're not the enemy. They killed 457 of your troops and they're not the enemy. They're just country boys, what, like some kind of rednecks or something. And this one, they want an Afghanistan that is inclusive for all. No, I'm, I'm not making even any comment on that. And then there is this astonishing speech. If I had time, I'd play you the lot of it. Uh, Tom Tugendhat, who is the uh, head of the Foreign Affairs Committee in Parliament, he's an MP, he fought in Afghanistan, he was decorated by the 82nd Airborne. Um, His speech in Parliament, I I would never... (laughs) I can't remember when a speech in Parliament moved me to tears. I think that's the best speech I've heard since Robin Cook gave his speech against the Iraq war. Just a phenomenal speech. Go and listen to the whole thing. But this statement.
0: Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage. The feeling abandonment of not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw, left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists. And so it is with great sadness that I now criticise one of them. Because I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege. A huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with,
3: Mm.
0: to claim that they ran, it's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Now this is a harsh lesson for all of us. And if we're not careful, it could be a very, very difficult lesson for our allies. But it doesn't need to be. We can set out a vision, clearly articulated, for reinvigorating our European NATO partners to make sure that we are not dependent on a single ally, on the decision of a single leader, but that we can work together with Japan and Australia, with France and Germany, with partners large and small and make sure that we hold the line together.
1: Those who have never fought under the colours they fly should be careful about who they criticise. He was so upset at people he'd fought and died with being called cowards by President Biden. As he said at the end, it doesn't need to be defeat, but at the moment it damn well feels like it. Forgive the language, but that's what he said. Okay, I guess the Taliban are opposed to music. They're also, by the way, opposed to the COVID vaccine. So you won't be hearing any more of this. This is the Afghan band Sadiman playing Kabul Dreams.
3: So zamzamash chuvrina sondes ham triyak doruy tal khazeh be. bas kin yo be
2: Sadoya ma sadoya tu satoya a on the stone
1: Of course there are lots of other people who haven't come well out of this President Ashraf Ghani who was a World Bank-trained technocrat who holds a doctorate from Columbia University. He's the author of a book titled Fixing Failed States. He's had seven years in power and he made Afghanistan even more failed. And he fled with loads of money and he has gone to the United Arab Emirates. Shameful. Then there's this absolutely brilliant article in Unheard by... Ali, And I'm not going to, again, read it all. I just strongly recommend you reading it. But this is what she says. Do you seriously expect anyone to believe that American diplomacy will make the Taliban treat women fairly? She's asking Biden. Is rallying the world remotely likely to keep Afghan girls in school or allow women to walk down the streets of Kabul with their faces uncovered? Do you take us all for fools? It's a bit like... To Dern, the New Zealand Prime Minister, who said basically we w- would like the uh, Taliban to be nice to women. Yeah, that's going to work, isn't it? Fly an LGBT flag, tell them to be nice to women. Herson Ali says that the second problem informing Biden's approach concerns the moral decay of Western civilization. When a fish decays, the head rots first. Absolutely. She talks about how the US Navy's reading list now includes books such as Sexual Minorities and Politics and How to Be an Anti-Racist, which, both of which paint a bleak picture of the United States, its history and its identity. Well, for the British Chief of Defence Staff, for Biden and for others, listen to what Enamula Samangani said when he said that women would be in the government structure according to Sharia law. As Hirsten Ali points out, the caveat is important. Under orthodox Sharia law, women can inherit property, but only half as much as men. Women can testify in court, but their testimony is not equal to a man's word. They have a right to divorce under specific circumstances, but not a unilateral right. A male guardian is essential for a woman, and a woman can have one husband, whereas a man can have up to four wives. Yeah, I look forward to the sisterhood demonstrating with huge vehemence for about what's happening in Afghanistan. I don't think so. I think intersectionality means that they don't won't want to be accused of Islamophobia. Okay, uh, let's just go on to China. Um, just what's China got to do with Afghanistan? Well, it has a border, and there are several lessons from this. First of all, both China and Russia are seeking to establish good diplomatic relations with the Taliban. Secondly, I think it is almost certain that China will fund, support, and encourage the Taliban. Not because um, they themselves, they don't like Muslims, the Uyghurs, and so on. But because Afghanistan is, has what's been called the Saudi Arabia of lithium, which is what is needed for batteries for electric cars. And also copper, where the Chinese have just opened a mine. And also gold. So I think that China will give the Taliban lots and lots of money and China will do what it does in Africa, take Afghanistan's resources. Wow. Beijing was, the first, was I think, the first to recognize the Islamist militants. And of course, the Chinese state media are mocking the Americans for what has happened. And speaking of technology, we often look at the madness of technology. I want you to just consider this one fact. The leader of the Taliban and many of its members are on Twitter. They've enslaved children. They've raped women. They've abused, attacked, killed. And they're allowed to be on Twitter. But Donald Trump is not. Go work out just what values the Californian billionaires have. And speaking of values, we often look at what celebrities have to say, and here is a celebrity you may or may not have heard of, the model an actress and green campaigner, Lily Cole. I don't see literacy as important because I think that everyone should go to university or be very academic or even do jobs that require you to read and write. the assumption often when you hear literacy is thinking about those those ideas and maybe reading a novel or, or writing. Um, but when you actually look at it, literacy is fundamental for very, very simple things in life, like being able to read a medicine mm. packet, being able to understand what food to give your child, uh, being able to understand uh, the stigmas and the myths around things like female genital mutilation, or even be able to read a train sign so you know right. what train's coming. Now that's ironic, that clip. because. She put out an Instagram poster of her this week wearing a burqa and talking about how let's embrace diversity on every level, biodiversity, cultural diversity, diversity of thinking, diversity of voices, diversity of ideas. She had a picture of herself with a blue burqa covering her face and body and another in which it was pulled up to reveal her face. Um... She apologised, saying she was unaware of events in Afghanistan, so why are we relying on celebrities to give us comment? But also, you know, in that clip, talking about literacy and the importance of education, it's not going to happen in Afghanistan. And then let's think about the Afghan church. Around 90% of the 37 million population is Sunni, 9% Shia with the others belonging to other religions, possibly maybe even 20,000 Christians. But remember this, conversion from Islam is apostasy and can be punished by death imprisonment or confiscation of property, and proselytizing is also punishable by death. In early July, Afghan pastors and church leaders made the difficult decision to formally register their faith with the Afghan government. And they did that because they wanted their children and their grandchildren to be safe. Um, They were interviewed, but they weren't arrested. Now we've learned that a pastor in Afghanistan received a letter from the Taliban. We know who you are, what you do, and where to find you. By Saturday, the Taliban were at his door, but he'd gone into hiding. Another man writes of an Afghan pastor speaking about his friend, a faithful believer whose village was taken by the Taliban just a week ago. And this dear brother's, as he says, 14-year-old daughter was ripped from his arms and forced into sexual servitude in what the Taliban dub as marriage. All right. Let's just, as before we leave, I do want to mention the death of
2: um, this man. World Christianity now seems to be an accepted term for what's increasingly being seen as, if not a subject, at least a field of studies. Uh, and one can see that that has many strengths. It's the, the important discovery uh, I think has been the uh, rediscovery as of the worldwide nature. Of the Christian faith.
1: That was Andrew Walls from Aberdeen, University of Edinburgh as well, a uh, hugely influential Scottish academic missiologist, talking there about world Christianity. And, and he's died, and um, I think the church owes him a lot an enormously uh, influential person who helped us think through the world implications of Christianity. And I come back here to Afghanistan. Um, Do you know know what Taliban means? It means one who acquires knowledge, a scholar. Well, we want them to acquire the knowledge of Christ. Before I go, let me continue the wee series in mentioning um, my podcasts. My top ten at number five is
2: this. and welcome to Coffee House Shots the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Katie Balls. Well the Taliban have been issuing a number of statements about how they plan to rule now that they have taken control of the Afghan capital Kabul. Fraser what have they been saying and how much credence should we actually put by these statements?
1: Well, it's a very interesting situation now. We've had Vice Admiral Sir Ben Kay, who is basically running operations in the evacuation effort, admitting that uh, the Taliban are now in charge. So there are something like that's coffee house shots from the spectator. It's brilliant. It's ten to fifteen minutes every day. You get the news, usually UK and Parliament, but as in the one there, uh, Afghanistan, other things as well. Let me also mention that I've started putting out on more YouTube videos and this week we've had uh, at 11 o'clock on YouTube just a four or five minute cry for mercy from the Psalms and showing the mercy of Jesus. Uh, We'll put a link in there and feel free to uh, sign up or or just listen to them. I'm going to leave you with this song. Um, It is an Iranian song. Afghani Christian worship song by and Daghi I think and the words mean holy 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 and it talks about God purchasing us purchasing us by the blood of Jesus the blood of the American soldiers the blood of the Australian soldiers the blood of the UK soldiers has not set the Afghans free the blood of the Taliban the blood of Afghan soldiers has not set the Afghans free it's only the blood of Jesus that sets anyone free so let's pray for afghanistan Uh, next week we'll go back to our normal format i think though i do want to do one on climate change if you want to support this go to the podbean fundraiser all the links as well are uh, on the blog and any comments uh, thanks so much for those of you who sent stuff in uh, any comments or things that you want covered please do let me know god bless you and god bless the people of afghanistan